Welcome to the Faith and Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Eventide Center for Faith and Investing. We are an educational initiative of Eventide Asset Management, where our aim is to inspire an authentically Christian practice of modern investing. This podcast features conversations with thought leaders in the space of faith and investing, and also functions as an audio digest of the articles we feature in our online journal at faithandinvesting.com. On today's episode, we're bringing you a reading of our most recent article published to our online journal for faith and investing. This article is the first in a three-part series on the biblical teaching of creation care and how that teaching relates to modern conversations on sustainability and investing. This series was written by Tim Weinhold, our executive editor here at the Eventide Center for Faith and Investing, who you heard a bit from in our introductory episode. As a bit of background on Tim, Tim was the founding editor for Seattle-based nonprofit AI and Faith. He is also a fellow at the Oxford Center for Enterprise, Markets, and Ethics, and is a member of the Executive Advisory Board of the School for Business, Government, and Economics at Seattle Pacific University. We will be releasing each of the three articles from this series over the course of the next week, both online and through this podcast. I encourage you to follow along, as at the end of the series, we will be posting an interview Tim had the opportunity to do with the father and son duo of Douglas and Jonathan Moo, theologians whose book, Creation Care, A Biblical Theology of the Natural World, Tim uses as a guide for the first two parts of the series. So, without further delay, here is Tim Weinhold reading part one of his series. Creation Care, Sustainability, and Faithful Investing. It often takes a long time, thousands of years basically, but eventually Wall Street wisdom tends to catch up to biblical wisdom. Case in point, ESG and sustainability, probably the two concepts most in vogue in asset management circles over the last few years. But the idea of sustainability is hardly new. Along with the E for the environment part of ESG, both are deeply embedded in scripture. Despite that, some Christian investors and advisors may need a refresher regarding the importance of this particular aspect of biblical wisdom. This three-part series intends, therefore, to do two things. First, it takes a look at what Scripture teaches regarding sustainability. A big part of that is how God means us to deal with the natural world, of course, but we will see that there is more. And second, it will remind us of just how important sustainability and care for creation is to faithful and wise investing. Our guide for the biblical wisdom part of the series will be a father and son team of theologian scholars, Douglas and Jonathan Moo, via their excellent book, Creation Care, A Biblical Theology of the Natural World. Douglas Moo is a highly regarded biblical scholar, especially because of his authoritative commentary on the book of Romans. He is professor of New Testament at Wheaton College Graduate School. His son, Jonathan, is associate professor of New Testament and environmental studies at Whitworth University in Spokane, Washington. 
In part one of this series, we learned that care for creation is God's original and still one of his most important assignments for humankind. In particular, the moves help us begin to see creation as God sees it, rather than viewing it from a narrow instrumentalist, what's in it for me, perspective. Part two, also from the Moose book, addresses the key, quote, counter-argument from Scripture. The Moose do a good job of clarifying this issue, one that sadly has led some Christians away from environmental care and protection. And then part three makes the case for the important intersection between sustainability slash creation care and investing. No less a figure than Larry Fink, CEO of BlackRock, the world's largest asset management firm, will help us understand this essential connection and the accelerating investment risks from failing to do so. Creation care. Both words in the creation care title of the Moose book are decidedly intentional. The authors could have referred to the natural world or to the environment, but purposely chose creation to make clear that all of what we encounter in the natural world is here by design. It was created by a good God who in turn pronounced his creation good as well, including in the several stages that preceded the arrival of humans. Our world is not here by accident or happenstance. It was carefully, thoughtfully shaped by a creator and one who focused indivisibly on both functionality and beauty. In fact, across much of the Old Testament, but also importantly in the New Testament as well, we see rich evidence of God's care and concern for his creation. In Psalm 104, for example, the moves draw our attention to the breath of God's delight in creation. And note that it extends well beyond the neat boundaries of settled human life and civilization. We see much the same thing in God's rebuke of Job as he points out how much more there is to creation than humans understand or that serves human purposes. Similarly, when Jesus directs his disciples to consider that the Father's care doesn't permit even a lowly sparrow to fall unbidden, and to notice God's sublime artistry in clothing the wild flowers, we again see God's love and joy in the entirety of his creation. All of which explains why the word care in the title was equally intentional. It pointedly evokes the substance and spirit of how God intends humans to relate to the rest of his creation, much of which goes back to God's original assignment to humankind in the garden. In Genesis 1, 26-28, God says, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Rulership. 
Rulership is therefore an essential aspect of how God intends humans to relate to creation. But that begs the question, what sort of rulership does God have in mind? And here the moves bring real clarity. They remind us that God never turns over to humans ownership of the earth, of creation. Quote, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Psalm 24.1. Quote, for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. Psalm 50 verse 10. Quote, the land, moreover, shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine. For you are but aliens and sojourners with me. Leviticus 25.23. Quote, who has given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine, Job 41, verse 11, and a great many more similar passages. The moves make clear, therefore, that the rulership God intends can best be thought of as that of a vice-regent or a household steward, meaning God expects us to exercise rulership in his stead. In other words, just as he would if he were directly present. Think Aslan in Narnia, a dominion that is entirely on behalf of and for the benefit of all the other creatures. Then in Genesis 2.15, we get another aspect of the work God assigned to humans. Quote, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. We are meant, therefore, to further develop the potentialities of God's creation but only in ways that recognize and respect its goodness. Creation care is neighbor care. There is still more to the Moose theology for the natural world, humans included. They explain that creation care and neighbor care are inseparable. In other words, we cannot love our neighbor unless we love the creation that provides them or fails to provide them a rich, supportive, nourishing, natural environment. Toward that end, they include a lengthy quote from Wangari Maathai, the first African woman to win the Nobel Peace Prize. Quote, we tend to put the environment last because we think the first thing we have to do is eliminate poverty and send children to school and provide health. But how are you going to do that? In Kenya, one of our biggest exports is coffee. Where do you grow coffee? You grow coffee in the land. To be able to grow coffee, you need rain, you need special kinds of soils that are found on hillsides, and that means you have to protect that land from soil erosion so you don't lose the soil. You also wanna make sure that when the rains come, you're going to be able to hold that water and have it go into the ground so that the streams and the rivers keep flowing and the ground is relatively humid for these plants. For the rains and the rivers, you need forests and you need to make sure these forests are all protected, that there is no logging, that there is no charcoal burning and all the activities that destroy the forest. All this really needs to be done so that you can be able to grow good coffee so that you can have an income, so that you can send your children to school, so that you can buy medicine, 
so that you can take them to hospitals, so that you can care for the women, especially mothers. We see that the environment is something to exploit because we see the environment in terms of minerals, for example, or forests, or even raw materials that we produce on our land or even land itself. We see it in terms of what we can exploit rather than the medium in which all of these activities have to take place. But you can't reduce poverty in a vacuum. You are doing it in an environment, in other words, in creation, end quote. Witness. Let's close part one with one more key idea from the book. Jesus taught that with his initial coming to earth, the kingdom of God had decisively broken into this world. But it did so as an incursion. A final triumphant victory would be consummated only upon his return. In between, he means his followers to bear witness to the fact of his kingship and the character of his kingdom. That means our lives must display a restored relationship with God, with our fellow humans, and with God's natural world. In other words, as part of bearing witness to God's kingdom, our relationship with his natural creation must turn from thoughtless exploitation toward thoughtful restoration. Nothing less bears faithful witness. Thank you for listening to the Faith and Investing Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, share with a friend, or rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. Your rating and review allows more people to discover helpful resources on faithful investing. To find out more about the Eventide Center for Faith and Investing, visit us at faithandinvesting.com. Eventide Center for Faith and Investing is an educational initiative of Eventide Asset Management, LLC. Any reference to Eventide's Business 360 approach is provided for illustrative purposes only and indicates a general framework of guiding principles that inform Eventide's overall research process. Statements made by Eventide should not be interpreted as a recommendation or advice pertaining to any security. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal.